Hi, this is Matt Stagliano, and thanks for being part of the Artist Forge. We're a community of creatives who help each other think like an artist by discussing creativity as a process instead of a skill or a talent. We believe everyone has what it takes to create something amazing. We just need some encouragement and inspiration along the way. What you're about to hear is a live recording of one of our daily discussions on the Clubhouse app. If you like what you hear, I encourage you to join our private Facebook group or visit us on the web at theartistforge.com. Now on to the show. Good morning and welcome to a morning walk with the Artist Forge. My name is Nicole York. I'm your host. And today we are going to be talking about knock it off. <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about the things we should stop doing. Most of the time, our conversations are around things that we should begin, you know, mindset things we should start doing or self-confidence things we should start doing or business things we should start doing. And today we're going to talk about what we need to cut out, what we need to just knock it off, things we think or do that we just should quit. And this is not the same as our conversation around quitting, which was more about taking a critical look at the things that we're doing and making decisions in order to get closer to our goals. This is more about just things we need to stop. And to get us rolling, I'm gonna start off with saying, stop waiting until you think everything is perfect and you think you're ready and the conditions are all right. Because they never will be. And all you're doing is giving yourself excuses not to move forward so you can avoid failure. So cut it out. Of course, this is me talking to myself. <laughs> I am one of those people who is constantly trying to plan for the perfect time, right? Like wait until everything is perfectly in order till I have the best skills and the money and all the time and the stars align and the tides are right and et cetera, et cetera, to move forward and take a hold of what it is that I want, what I want to do. I want to write a book. Well, I need to wait until this happens and I get this and I need to be a better writer first. I'm just not good enough to do that yet. And I should probably make sure that I can have a good cover and I can do all this stuff. So I shouldn't even start yet, right? Until I'm just better at it. Not taking into account the fact that in order to get better at it, you got to do it first. And also, you're always going to eventually be better at it than you are now. So why are you waiting? What are you waiting for? In reality, all we're doing is talking ourselves out of taking a course that could result in failure because it feels better to be mediocre than it does to fail if at least we're safe. And I know using the word mediocre is harsh, but I just am trying to make a really good delineation between where we're at when we are not giving ourselves permission to go despite not being in the perfect circumstances and where we could be if we would just get started. There's this really fantastic um, story. It's been told in a couple different ways and I've heard it in a few different places. Um, one uses photographers and one uses sculptors. But the essential idea is that there were artists and they had an instructor and the instructor separated the group into two. And to one group he said, your only job is to make as many pieces of art this month as possible. Just go and make as much as you can. And to the other group, he said, your only job is to make one perfect piece of art. And at the end of the class, we will judge who has got the better 
pieces. And so they went about their business and one group focused on just making as much as possible. And the other group focused on making the perfect thing. And at the end, all of the winners came from the side who just made as much as possible because there is no substitute for experience. You can't think your way past every problem that may potentially arrive before you've ever experienced it. You have to just start. I know I've said before that the biggest enemy we face is inertia. Thanks you, Tom Bilyeu, <laughs> um, who said that and I stole, his, I stole his quote because it impacted me a lot. We can't just sit back and not do the thing because it's gonna keep us stagnant. Yes, it keeps us safe, but it means that we'll never move forward. So quit waiting to be perfect or to have all the skills or to have all the right circumstances or whatever before you set off down the path that you want to be on. Just go and figure it out along the way because you can't replace the experience that you'll get doing that and the things that you'll learn. And you're a lot more likely to get there if you start than if you sit back and wait for all the circumstances to fall into place. So that's my knock it off advice for today. I'm sure I'll potentially come up with something later, but now I want to ask the rest of the moderators, what is your advice that you would tell people if you could say knock it off and they would really listen to you, what would you tell people? And then friends in the audience, we wanna hear from you today. So be thinking, if you could tell other artists to knock something off, just cut it out, what would it be? Why would you start my morning with such a painful attack, Nicole? <laughs> and this is this is me buffeting my own soul. You just happen to be collateral damage. <laughs> <laughs> um, oof! Right in the gut. Thanks a lot. Um, this is an interesting one. Uh, I mean, I could definitely, you know, second everything you just said. But I think if I had to just spitball something, everyone needs to knock the hell off. Uh, jumping to conclusions, particularly about other people. Um, and like, stop idolizing people. Stop putting them on a pedestal or stop judging them and making assumptions about them when you have no evidence of their behaviors or treating people a certain way because of those conclusions you're jumping to um, unless you have really true actionable reasons to think that way and I like how that applies to art I mean like I feel like often we look at other artists and we create this persona for them based on you know what they may put out there into the world or what their art looks like but we have no idea unless we know them personally we have no idea how successful they are what their struggles are what their lifestyle is like how they got where they are there's no reason to be jumping to those conclusions and making comparisons and putting ourselves up against other people in any way so that would be my 6 a.m. rant for the day. Thank you for bringing us to your TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I know I'm guilty of this. I'm absolutely guilty of looking at artists that I admire and being like, oh, well, they could do it because, right? Like they had better circumstances or they had famous parents or they had all this money or they had et cetera, whatever it is that I don't have, which means I can't which is really just another way of my brain stopping me from moving forward because I don't want to fail. I don't want to deal with what failure might mean about who I am, right? And so those conclusions are almost another excuse in a way to be like, well, I can't do that. And of course, I mean, that's, that's not the only thing. Sometimes 
those conclusions are negative stuff, which is um, another kind of junk way of self-defense, you know, because if they're, if they're up there and they're doing all this stuff I want to do, but they're crappy people, well, then that must mean people who do that are crappy people. And I don't want to be a crappy person. So <laughs> I'm absolutely guilty of that. Um, even exactly. though I don't want to be. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like, maybe there's something kind of rooted into a lot of artists. Like we see people who are very successful as, you know, being sellouts, you know, depending on what they're working on or, you know, where they're affiliated. And then we make these kind of negative judgments that have no basis in anything except our own, you know, kind of, uh, I'm blanking on the word I want. Prejudice. Perception? Prejudice. Perception. Yeah. And prejudice. Yeah. And so we're jumping to conclusions and filling, you know, our lives with negativity in some cases that doesn't need to be there because it doesn't necessarily actually exist. Um, even in things like, and we talked about this before about, you know, understanding our clients and our customers, like how much of that is jumping to conclusions about them that aren't verifiable. We can't do that because it's only going to be a disservice to ourselves. For real. And a disservice to them. They don't deserve exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yep. I like that one. So we're going to cut it out. We're going to stop jumping to conclusions about other people. I like that one. Okay. Bassam, Matt, what are we going to stop? If you could tell artists to cut it out, what would it be? Um, well, I think we need to stop looking for that magic button that gives us that 100% perfection um, and realize that everything in life, especially building success and, 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 and performance and um, accomplishment, it's all a continuous improvement process. you got to start somewhere. All these people that we compare ourselves to, they started somewhere else and they kept improving and improving and improving. And unless you start you won't have that continuous improvement. You're, you're just stuck, right? So to me, it's all about level of maturity. And we, we cannot be, in general, uh, you know, f as mature as a 50-year-old when we're three years old. It just doesn't work. You have to go through those steps of gaining maturity as you go along. So stop waiting for things to be 100%. It is better to have you know, do something at 20% maturity and then next time do it at 30 and next time do it at 40 and learn from, from the, from that continuous improvement process rather than wait and try to get to a hundred percent. So that's kind of the fundamental thing about getting there. And there is no hundred percent. I mean, how many companies try to be world-class in something, health and safety record, quality, you name it. There is no such thing because as soon as you're world-class, somebody else will be better than you. Um, so yeah, that's my thoughts. So the path to success is paved by imperfection. Imperfection and continuous improvement. And yes. sometimes it's one step forward, two steps back. That's normal too. That's okay. Right. I think that, that seeking for perfection, I wonder also like how much of that is related to our desire to protect ourselves. Like if it's never perfect, that means I never have to share it. And if I never have to share it, then that means nobody's ever going to judge it and find me lacking somehow. Um, yeah. Well, it's the fear, a fear of failure or the feel of, uh, fear of, uh, uh, criticism and the, all the fears that we discussed previously. I mean, they, they block us, they hold us back. Right. For sure. And it's so strange to me that we could have this idea of perfection and hold it up 
as a standard that we either have to meet or we can't move forward when it doesn't exist. Like how, how do we even justify that to ourselves really? Because that perfection is not a thing. There's not a single piece of artwork out there that has ever been perfect. And yet we still somehow think to ourselves when we're looking at our work, well, it's not perfect. It could be better. It could be this. It doesn't have that. When uh, we forget that that's, that isn't a standard anybody has ever reached, why do we hold ourselves up to it? Nobody has an answer to that question. <laughs> because it, is, it doesn't exist. That's why. Yeah. I was just going to say the same thing. It doesn't exist, and, and, and we have no other point of reference. I mean, how many times you look at other people's work and you judge them all as being perfect? Everything but your stuff is perfect, right? right? And I bet you they're not all the same, and they're not all perfect. No, and you know what? That's a really good point. I think maybe at some point in our lives, we are in the shoes of the viewer because we don't quite know enough about art or about visual literacy or et cetera, to be able to judge where the imperfections in a piece lie. And so we think that it is perfect. And therefore that, that um, level exists somehow. Like I know when I'm, <laughs> I am not the best illustrator. I've not been doing this for a long time. People still buy my work, but I, I am not the best. And I know all of us have experienced this um, to some degree, like when we first began photography and we thought we were awesome and we had people who thought we were awesome and they bought our work. And then later on, we looked back and we went, Ooh, I can't believe people paid me for that. Um, I thank God they did, but I can't believe they did now that you're at a different skill level. And I've been in the arts in some form or other since I was tiny. So I can actually look objectively at my work and be like, it's not that great. Comparatively, when I look at artists that I admire, not that their work is perfect, but I recognize that I'm still on that path of growth. But people who don't know much about art or illustration may look at my work and be like, this is freaking awesome. Like they're not gonna see imperfections in it. They don't have the experience or the maturity or have built the eye yet to be able to tell where my anatomy is not fantastic or where my rendering is not great or where it's, you know, whatever it is. And so I wonder if that's kind of where those ideas of perfection come from when we very first loved art and when we see these pieces and we're just like, wow, these things are just sublime and I can never reach that. And partly because we don't know what to look for in order to see that it's not perfect. It's outstanding, but it's not perfect, right? I wonder if any of that kind of comes into play in where we start to build those internal measurements of like what makes a piece good or perfect i don't even know if that made any sense well it, it does make sense you're the weeds of my brain no no it does it does make sense and there is an aspect of 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 ignorance and and judge and you know in and judging things but but that's okay i mean we're, we're talking about a subjective uh um uh, subject here right so there isn't, there is, you know, it, you can't, you, we can't judge what people see in things, but you do bring up a good point that here we are talking about comparing ourselves to other others and seeing their work as perfect. But I bet you every single one of us, if we really focus on people that follow us, people that are our fans, people that like our work, how often do they comment that, 
things like perfection, sublime, outstanding, amazing. I mean, in their eyes, we are perfection also. So put that in perspective. It's a continuum. It's not a zero or a hundred percent thing. You're on that scale, and that just proves the point that you're on in this, this continuous improvement uh, uh, trajectory in, in, uh, as you follow your art and follow and, 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 and do the work. So um, look on the positive side. <laughs> All right. I love that. So we've got stop waiting until the situation is ideal before you move forward. Stop jumping to conclusions about other people and stop waiting for perfection because you're not going to reach it. Just go. Recognize you're going to fall somewhere on that spectrum, but you're going to improve as you move. So Matt, if we could tell artists to cut something out, just to knock it off, what would it be? And friends in the audience, raise your hands now, because I'm going to start pulling you up in a minute. If you could tell artists to cut it out, something, one thing, what would it be? What a perfect time. Just got back to the bottom of the mountain and got back on the ski lift. All right. So one thing that I would tell people is learn acceptance and learn gratitude. Learn the love of imperfection. And it's kind of all the same stuff we talked about. When Becca said, don't make assumptions, I leapt out of my seat and almost fell off the ski lift because I was all about it. Um, but for me, if there was something I could have told myself years ago or told somebody starting out, learn acceptance and gratitude for the good things. Start building the muscles of that positive mindset and outlook and reframing the negative things to something a bit more positive and uplifting. And I don't mean all rainbows and unicorns, but instead of saying you can't do something, just say you haven't learned how to do it well yet. Um, and reframe things so that you're constantly in a growth mindset rather than one of lack and stagnancy. So um, yeah, that's what I would say. I mean, it's, it's the one thing that over the past couple of years has really kept me moving forward rather than being like, oh, business is down or not getting the clients or whatnot. Um, turning it around to saying all this hard work is going to pay off very, very soon. Just keep taking those steps. So yeah, that's what I would say. And then be grateful for everything that you have done and where you've come from. I love it. So stop taking things for granted, people. <laughs> um, I love that piece of advice so Matt. And I think it's, it's so important. One of the biggest things we can do for ourselves is, is stop that negative self-talk and, and change it and remove it. I mean, I know it's an example people have used a lot, but instead of saying, I can't believe my car broke down, we can say, I'm so grateful I have a car, <laughs> right? There's always a way that we can reframe those circumstances in order to remind us that, that we have a lot to be grateful for. Even when we've got those difficulties, we're still in a situation that's really amazing when we think about it. So it's the, I really like that uh, comparison. The, the personification that I use, and I've used this example a few times, is if all those voices in your head were the roommate that you were living with, how long would you hang out with them? How long would you let them stay in your apartment? Uh, and how soon would you kick them out? So treat it the same way. Just get rid of all that stuff. That's it. I love it. Okay, so we have friends joining us from the audience today. Hello, friends. Um, I want to hear from you this morning. So if we could tell artists to stop it, stop doing one thing, what would it be? I see we have Carol Sisla. 
Kimberly, Trish, and Curvery. So, Kara, let's start with you. Okay, sorry. <laughs> you know what's so weird is, um, you know, I I don't have any constraints on my production of of my art or anything that that holds me back at all. Um, but I used to when when people would be looking at a piece at a show, uh, I would have to tell them what what flaw it had or or what I did in the process that didn't go well and all that and I had to learn to get past that and I don't do that anymore and I don't even see that anymore I just I'm that example that you gave in the beginning where I just produce like crazy there's nothing you know that holds me back but when it comes to um business and and you know, social media and all these things, man, all these other things apply. The stop waiting for the ideal, remove the negative talk and, and the fear that holds me back and all that. So uh, waiting for the perfect situation or who knows, uh, whatever it is, but everything seems to hold me back in, in those areas. So anyway, I just... I thought I would share that. It's kind of funny. Uh, it was an evolution over, you know, the last 20 years with my art, but I can't take 20 years on the business <laughs> to get it done. I may not be around. So, uh, which is negative talk, isn't it? Um, anyway, Carol, I'm done speaking. Thanks. You know what, Carol, what I really love about what you just said is such a perfect example of what Bassam was talking about because you you took all of this time and all of this work right to get yourself to the place where you could stop criticizing your own art and i know exactly what you mean um i have done that before somebody wants to buy something and you're like well it's not quite perfect like i don't know if you really want to waste your money on what i did because you just you you feel like um uh, dishonest if they don't know because someday you're going to be a perfect artist who doesn't make those mistakes and then you won't have to tell that to people. Um, but of course, that's not a real thing. But it took you 20 years to become a level 20 artist and all those pieces of work to become the artist that you are now. And yet somehow when we step into this new arena, we tend to think to ourselves, well, why am I not here yet? I should be at level 15, but you've only been doing it for two years. <laughs> And so the answer to that, number one, is obviously all of the things that we've talked about so far. But I think the other thing, which is a, another great piece of advice we might be able to take today, is um, we don't always have to do it all. Sometimes the answer for us, if we're on a time constraint, is find somebody else to do it. And we are such creative thinkers. Um, I bet if we were to start thinking of all the options and outside the box, um, we would find that there are solutions there that we haven't even realized yet. And often that is how the most innovative companies and brands and everything, that's how they're able to make these solutions in places where the rest of us would say that's not even possible. And of course, that, you know, requires us to reframe things like Matt was talking about and try to think outside of what we believe to be possible. So we got to have that grace for ourselves, right? Because we're not going to be a level 20 business person when we haven't started yet. We can't expect that of ourselves. It's not fair. Um, so I really, really love that example. And I think we can all probably take a little bit away from it. 
Okay, Sisala, what should artists stop doing? Good morning, guys. Well, well, there's the obvious uh, stop comparing, but I think we should stop neglecting ourselves. I feel like many artists that I speak with have these insane high levels of uh, expectations on themselves that are pushing them um, to to just extreme heights. And I feel like many of my friends who, who are creatives, they forget to take that step, step back for a moment and just breathe and take care of their own mental health. Um, I think creatives have a tendency to be harder on themselves than most other people. Don't know why. It's just a thing. <laughs> but we also tend to be very, very um, perfectionistic. And that combination is can just be really, really detrimental for the mental health and Sometimes we have to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take a day. I'm not going to, I'm going to be okay with not producing. And this is something that I've had to do so many times and I probably do it too much now. <laughs> and not Now I'm not productive enough, but um, stepping back for a moment and just say, okay, I'm, I'm in the gutters right now. I have such a hard time getting anything done. And at the same time, I am lying here on the couch, just wanting to watch Netflix. And I'm still beating myself up for not posting on social media or for not writing that blog post for not doing the things I'm supposed to do instead of just saying, okay, I'm down in the gutters. I'm just going to take a moment here, be here and be okay with not doing anything. I think that's, that's, that's something we got to start doing. I love that. Um, so stop neglecting yourselves, artists. Take care of yourself. Like you would want the people you love to take care of themselves. How are you going to go make the world's most beautifulest thing when your well has run dry? So cut it out. I love it. Kimberly, what are your thoughts? What should artists stop doing? Good morning, everyone. Um, Thank you for having me up on stage. Um, mine kind of goes, you mentioned it um, briefly just earlier, Nicole, and it's not necessarily what we should stop doing. It's what we should start doing. And that's just offering ourselves some grace. And we do it for everyone else, typically. And we always, you know, help others out or don't let them beat themselves up, like the negative talk and everything we're talking to, but we don't, I'm talking about, but we don't ever offer ourselves grace and be okay with, um, you know, taking that break and laying on the couch and watching that Netflix or whatever it is that you need to do instead of what you're supposed to do. Um, sometimes you need to, to have that grace for yourselves and give yourself a break too. Ooh, good one. Yes, completely agree. I love this conversation, guys. And I know it can be difficult to take things from the, uh, from the negative point of view, from the stop it point of view. There's a reason um, that I do this. I started actually writing uh, what photographers need to quit doing. I started writing these for F-stoppers a few years ago. And the reason I did it is because first, sometimes we really do need a kick in the butt, somebody to just go cut it out. But also because the idea of approaching it from a negative perspective is really polarizing and it doesn't allow the conversation to become full of platitudes, right? Because that's the tendency of these kind of motivational talks is for it all to go, it can be butterflies and sunshine if you just do the thing. As opposed to, there's something 
quite a bit more confrontational, confrontational about knock it off. That kind of removes a little bit of the, uh, a little bit of the platitudes from the experience. So don't be scared, guys. It's okay. We understand, of course, that we're not trying to hurt one another, right? So in a playful way, it's totally cool for us to come at it from the, from the knock it off perspective. But we definitely need those gentle reminders to start taking care of ourselves and giving ourselves grace. We could use more of that in our lives. All of us could. So I love that. Trish, go ahead. It is your turn to tell artists, knock it off, and then Curvery will get to you. And if you're in the audience today and you want a chance to tell artists to cut it out, now is your time to raise your hand. Well, hello. Uh, good morning. Um, so I found my thesaurus, which is fantastic because I actually have a fabulous word for today. Um, and it's underestimating yourself. I feel like a lot of people, and it's not just as artists, but um, anyone in business, have a tendency to underestimate their abilities. Um, I have a strict uh, rule that I live by, um, and that is there's no such word as I can't. It's I can. It may not be at this moment, but I definitely can. So underestimating yourself is, is a huge one, and people need to stop doing that. Oh, heck yeah. That's a really, really good one. And uh, I know I'm 100% guilty of that <laughs> all the time, especially when I happen to be around other amazing creatives. I tend to look at them and be like, how the hell am I standing with these people? Like, how am I here right now? Um, I just, it doesn't seem like, it doesn't seem like that should be a thing. They feel so far above me. I don't understand how I could be in that company. And, uh, and, and then that, of course, extends to everything, right? Like, I can't open up a new wing of my business. I'm not good enough at it to do that. I can't start jumping ahead in social media. I'm not good at social media. I can't do that. I can cut that crap out. Yeah, and I feel like, I mean, I feel that exact way. When I when I come into the clubhouse and, and into the artist boards with you and Matt and Basam and Kat and Becca, like, you guys are just powerhouses. And I'm like, what the hell do I know? That's why I was joking around last night about having a thesaurus because I just, I always say that I'm like meat and potatoes compared to everybody's champagne and caviar and the words just don't come. So I, I, I get a giggle out of it, but I'm certainly not going to underestimate my abilities. Um, I just, I just think it's, it's a, it's, it's something that you have to overcome and it takes time. You are absolutely right. And just to be very clear, I would choose meat and potatoes over champagne and caviar every day of the damn week. So we just need to know that. <laughs> All right, Curry, what should artists stop? What do they need to cut out? Good morning, guys. Can you hear me? Yep, we gotcha. Okay, so a couple of things. Um, before I, I get to my um, knock it off, I just wanted to touch on uh, one, the, I guess you can call it the perfection bias. In, in my experience, I find that if I'm looking at someone's work for the first time, um, I'm really drawn to it. And there's so many things about that work that might stand out to me. And I might feel a little bit intimidated I'm looking at it, but if I take some time and, and study the work, 
then that sort of goes away. Not to say it takes away from the piece of art itself, but it sort of becomes more normal to me and I can look at it and say, okay, this is something that I can create. So I definitely feel like a good thing to do is when you're, although it's not a good idea to compare yourself with other artists, but if you're looking at someone's work, uh, take some time with it before you jump to any conclusions. I think that's a, a, a very good, good piece of advice to follow. Because uh, we have to remember with our work, you know, we put so much time and effort into it. We're pretty much experts on our work. Whereas you're looking at someone's work for the first time, you're trying to make an evaluation based off like your initial viewing of that piece. That is, that's a really, really fantastic insight. Um, and as you were explaining it, I was thinking about my own experience with work and uh, looking at things that I admire and uh, learning about artists and coming to terms with the way that they work. And it absolutely, absolutely follows that path that you just mentioned. And we are experts in our own work. That's such a fantastic way to look at it. Of course, we're gonna have a difficult time thinking that our work should be at the same standard or be regarded in the same way as these other artists we admire because we're not experts in their work and we weren't there for the creation process. We don't know what things got messed up or what things got taken out or, you know, what things didn't go right. That's such a really great insight. Right. And, and just to, to follow up on, I think, um, the response to, to Carol, I, I felt like um, and it's not just limited to artists or photographers, but when you're starting out in, in the arts, you strive for perfection. And as you spend time in, in, in whatever art that you pursue, you begin to appreciate the flaws in the work. And that's, that's what gives it the character and, and the story. So I, I feel like, like over time, that's a very like interesting way to look at it. Because again, when you're starting off, you want to be perfect from the jump. Uh, you want no mistakes. You just want it to be pristine. And as you develop and you gain more experience, you, you begin to realize that flaws are some of the things that, that make your pieces stand out or your photography stand out because it tells a story. And everyone who's looking at it can get a different interpretation based on the flaws in the piece. You know what, as you were talking about that, it just reminded me, I don't know how many people have seen the movie Hitch, but the idea is that you have somebody who's very good at interpersonal relationships, teaching men how they should behave in order to win the hearts of the women that they are in love with. And as it's happening, you're thinking to yourself, okay, He's teaching them how to do all the right things. But at the end, what you discover, sorry for the spoilers if you haven't seen it, but I need this for my example so you can live with it. Um, at the end, you discover it wasn't all the perfect things they were doing that made these women fall in love with them. It was the imperfections. It was the idiosyncrasies. It was the foibles. It was those little hints of their real personality that made the person fall in love with them. And I think you're absolutely right, Kirvery. We may be under the impression that our work is getting more perfect, the better we get. And really, it may just be getting 
more idiosyncratic and that is what makes it so desirable to the people who love it. Yes. And then finally, to my um, knock it out, I think you, you also touched on it earlier. Uh, I think for me in, in my journey, what I've actually taken steps towards is knocking off the I can do it all uh, mentality. Uh, and, and not to take away from, from my own abilities, but just understanding that there are certain things that I don't know, and it would be best to seek out someone who has more experience in that field. So, so that way I have help and I'm not trying to overextend myself and affecting my ability to do the things that I'm good at. Ooh, you spoke to my soul there just now. Um, because I am absolutely guilty of this. If I think I can do something, I will do it and, uh, and save myself. Save. I'm going to save the money and do it myself. Um, and then, of course, it's not very good. So I spend a whole bunch of time trying to get good enough at it until it's 60 to 80% when I could have saved myself all that time by just hiring somebody else to do the thing. And I don't know why. I don't know why, but you're absolutely right. And I am on that journey right now of recognizing that I can't, not just that I can't, but I shouldn't try to do it all. I should give things to the people who are better than me at those things and be okay with not being the best at everything that pertains to the work that I put out into the world. Ooh. That one's speaking to my soul. So much good stuff this morning, y'all. All right. I am going to mispronounce your name. I'm certain of it. But is it Cook? And if it is, we would love to hear from you today what artists should stop doing. Hey, uh, yeah, it's Cook. Um, well, I think artists should stop um, believing that they can only produce really good work when they're miserable themselves and they don't go into therapy or they don't get better because they're afraid that they will not be themselves anymore and that it's such an integral part of who they are um, because I don't believe that's true and I think that's a stigma and I believe it should be going away. Ooh, everybody is really like throwing darts at my heart this morning. You are absolutely right and this is such an unhelpful stigma that's been part of the art world since forever. The, the tortured artists, right? The starving artists. We all are a little bit mad. And of course, there's a lot to be said about the fact that we can create beauty from darkness and we can take the difficult things we've been through and turn them into expressions of humanity. But that doesn't mean that we should stay there. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't take care of ourselves, right? Exactly. And if you need to go there for your art, then, you know, you were capable of feeling those feelings once. So you will be able to go back, but it doesn't mean you're going to stay in them and like, you know, feel so shitty uh, in life anymore because everything is a part of you. And I think uh, you can always go back to it, but in a healthy way, with a little more distance, which doesn't mean that it's less connected to you. 
That's such a great observation. I hope people really take that one to heart. And you've honestly just gotten to the heart of part of the reason that the Artist Forge exists, because we recognize that in order to be healthy, productive, successful, happy artists, we have to cover mindset. It's not, we tend to veer in the arts toward what we can learn to do. Teach me this technique with gouache. Teach me, teach me how do I set my lights up. Teach me the right way to throw this pot. Teach me, teach me all these technical things. And we don't recognize the fact that all of the heart and art doesn't come from having the best technique. It comes from who we are. And if we're not caring for that person, maybe, we're, maybe we've got a few years of beautiful art in us before we burn out. And that's it. And why would we do that to ourselves? And why would we do that to the people around us who love us and all the people who could be benefiting from the art we make when we have healed ourselves and the, the beauty that we could be putting out into the world when all those cracks are filled with gold. So, man, that's such a, that's such a great one. I love that we get to add it to the conversation this morning. All right, friends in the audience, is there anybody else who feels like you have something you can tell artists to knock it off? that's gonna benefit their lives. Don't be afraid. We wanna hear from you this morning if you can come up. And as we wait for folks to raise their hands, um, let's start breaking into this discussion, y'all. There have been a lot of suggestions this morning on things we can stop doing, all of them super powerful. Is there anyone someone else has said that you really connected with? Don't be afraid, guys. Um, I'm grabbing you, Juliet. Juliet, go ahead. Okay, hi. This is great, this conversation. Of course, you're always timely. I have my sign for my studio in town put up this morning, and so I've been just, you know, you know, it, it's just been terrifying. But the, so my thought was, you know, we all step out to do this thing that we want to do. And now we're years later terrified of doing it. And yet we have built a whole life around it. And it's, you know, somehow it's not easy and graceful. But I think that's the reminder is like there was something that just got us going that probably when we were kids, we loved it. And we just have to be tapping into that. I don't know how to not be afraid, but, you know, these just keep moving forward. Oh, man, it's so good today, guys. It's so good. And yes, isn't that wild how we can lust after something and dream about something and move towards something our whole lives only to stand at the precipice and hesitate. Oh, it's so true. <laughs> we do believe that when we take that leap, our wings are going to grow on the way down. It's going to happen. First of all, congratulations on getting your sign. Yeah, thank up. you. I know you're gonna go do amazing things. I'm glad we get to come along with you on the journey. I hope you will keep us updated on how everything goes. For sure, thank you, I appreciate that. Yes. All right, so I'll ask the question again to the folks that are up on the panel today, if you've spoken today, was there anything somebody else said that you took and went, oh shit, that was for me? <laughs> that was for me. I mean, you've heard me over and over again be like, oh. <laughs> one was one for me what about you is there anything somebody said that was one for you don't be afraid to unmute yourself and just go yeah i just want to say again i may mispronounce it coke uh, coke 
um, what, uh, what, what she said about us getting attached to our way of being. We get comfort, we get um, souls in, in, in how we are and don't realize that we could actually be, we could appear differently, we can show up differently. And what, what the one thing that she said that makes a lot of sense is that we can always go back to the way of being that we comfort in, right? Nothing stops you from going back. It's gotten to, it's gotten you to where you are today. You've been successful at many things because of your way of being, but venture out and and and, and find other ways of being that could be that can make you that are holding you back from being better today. And if it doesn't work, go back to what you know best. You know, your, your feel-good food, your, your comfort food. Uh, so that really, I, I connected with, the, with what she said. You know what? I really like the idea of extending that because, of course, she was referencing this, this kind of really specific um, idea we have about, you know, the tortured yeah. artist. But you're absolutely right, Basam. I mean, we don't have to be today who we were yesterday if it's not serving us anymore. And we, we've had this discussion at some point in the past, but the person that we are is a result of all of the things that we've experienced and all of the thoughts we've believed and all of the things that we've done. And yet somehow we tend to think of ourselves as static. This is just who I am because we don't get to, we're on the inside. We don't really see the small changes that have been made over a long period of time. And at some point, that person who experienced those things, that, that identity stops serving us. It doesn't fit the circumstances we're in anymore. Curvery mentioned this the other day, talking about who we are in the different places in our lives. And some, at some point, that identity, those self-protection mechanisms, they're going to stop serving us. And we can change them. We don't have to stay. But you can always walk back down a path you've already walked. The difficult part is beating a new path through the bushes, right? But we can do that. Oh, that's a great observation, Bassam. Yeah, and I'll give an example with my own. I mean, I think I've, I've talked about this before, but my way of being after I, I worked with a, with a coach, a life slash leadership coach once, well, my way of being, how I grew up to be, and what made me relatively successful in the business that I was in is my way of being is being in charge. Right, so my default, you know, intuitive way of approaching anything is I'm in charge, right? But you get to a point where that holds you back. I mean, if you're always in charge, people around you don't have room to show up, don't have room to grow, don't have room to. So if you're approaching things with that mindset, you're giving, you're, you're, you're missing out on on the richness of other people showing up. And when I figured that out, and I say, hey, there are other ways to show up. You don't have to be in charge all the time. And, and if things don't work, you can always default to being in charge. And I applied it directly. My son at the time was about 16, 17 years old and, and going through a bit of a, you know, typical rough times that teenagers go through. And, and I was going through that, that coaching at that same time. And, and miracle happened when I realized that that's how I am with my son. I am always in charge as opposed to just sitting back, listening and let him talk and let him show up the way he wants to show up. That's just a practical example I thought I would share. Oh, it's a really good one. It's a really good one. Oh, this conversation's given me life. Okay, anybody else? Are there things that you have heard today that you feel like these things are for you? 
you know, um, this is Carol. And I just wanted to say that the my biggest takeaway here is how creative and malleable I am in my art practice and yet how inflexible and afraid I am when it comes to, you know, business, social media, technology, all those things that um, I don't know how to do. So trying to find a way to integrate that in my everyday, um, because I know how to integrate art every day, all day. I can do it, you know, morning till night, every day. And that's pretty much what I have done. But now this takes a different, uh, it's gonna take a different approach. And it's amazing how how fearful I am about that. So anyway, I, I don't know, hopefully that's that's relevant. Thanks. Oh, Carol, that was such an incredible insight into yourself. And I bet most of us can look at it, that and apply that to ourselves in some way. Um, and I know, I know I connected with what you just said. I bet there are people listening who just went, oh shit, that's, <laughs> that's me too. I could be in, incredibly driven and, and flexible and creative in this area. And yet in this other area that's important, I shift. <laughs> Why do I think I can't bring this to that space? Um, what a great insight. Yeah, I don't know why what Carol just said made me think of, uh, I don't know if any of you have, you know, obviously you, you, you've seen, uh, you know, different types of intelligence. And, and one of them is the nine types of intelligence that, that we we can have. And what Carol just said kind of tells me that, that, you know, we do have intelligence that is more weighed towards one way or the other for whether it's 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 math or science, whether it's the uh, the written world or the spoken word. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's recognizing that we all have certain uh, level of intelligence in a certain area, and and can we develop the other areas? Maybe, and if not, can we have somebody else help us with them? Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Carol. Well, I was just going to say, and how to actually integrate that? You know, finding those people, but how to make it part of my everyday practice is is my challenge and feel like i don't know where to start it's like the first day of of first grade i didn't get to go to kindergarten but you know uh what do i do where do i go what will people think what you know just all of that and i'm done yes we just ah i feel that in so many ways and oftentimes the only thing we can do is just take a step somewhere and then start doing it and maybe it's a mistake Maybe we should have started somebody somewhere else, but that doesn't really matter as long as we get started because then we have enough experience to go, oh, I should have started over here. Okay, okay, that's fine. I can just reorder stuff and, no and start from there. Um, <laughs> Ari, so I grabbed Ari because he sent me a fantastic message and I'm not gonna let you stay quiet about it today, sir. So I um, want to hear what you had to say and have you share it with everybody. Well. It's very unusual to get an invite to come up when there's a full stage and, it's, and I only joined the room at 945. Um, so I thought I was getting called up to get scolded that I haven't been here in a while. Um, but uh, no, I was just saying that to me, um, I, you know, I heard the first thing you said was when I came in was that you lost over something and then, of course, that perked my interest and, um, and then you hesitate and don't start it. And 
you know, I believe that this whole idea of blank page syndrome um, is a real thing. And, you know, I oftentimes, if I have, excuse me, I'm closing my garage door so I don't freeze. Um, I often find that, um, you know, even just putting a header or taking a previous document, or if I'm doing a legal thing, you know, uh, taking like a previous caption or, or, or whatever, um, not having that blank page is a huge benefit. So much so that, like I said in, in the back, I, you know, my struggle is when on a Friday I've completed my to-do list on Monday, I'm like dead in the water, like have no idea what to do next. And, um, so much so that I use this free program, um, you know, to uh, do it. It's, um, of course I can't think of the name, ClickUp, uh, ClickUp, I think. Um, and basically it has like dependencies and it basically doesn't end. So that um, I make sure that I never get to the end because if I get to the end, I'm I'm in trouble. And if I have the pathway to and the and the cue visually and like otherwise to tell me to guide me where to go next, and I don't end up in this blank page syndrome, starting syndrome, crossing over the taking the first step, crossing the river, taking the plunge, all that, which is a real thing. It's not something to beat yourself up over because it is a real thing that um, I know I tremendously suffer from even when it's a simple bullshit task that I should have no anxiety over dealing with in the least and even when I'm successful in the rare moments of not beating myself up over it um which is an issue of course um it's really hard it really is hard and um you know, finding those tricks and hacks and gamifying it is just like everything else that I'm always harping about. It's it, to me, that's the way to deal with it. Um, and uh, yeah, with that, I'm thrilled to be here. And you'll see me posting as I get through the uh, days I missed. And um, of course, I can't keep my mouth shut. So I will, um, you know, you'll see, see my progress as I go. And uh, I'm complete. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Yes. Um, I, I wanted to grab Ari up. Of course, we haven't been able to hear from you in a while, so I had to snag you. But also, it's a really great insight to understanding some of the things that make moving forward difficult for us, and blank page syndrome is one of them. Any writers will recognize this as a truism as you sit at the computer and you look at a blank page and you know you need to start writing, but you're like, oh God, where do I begin? That is the same thing that happens to us anytime. We have to step out into the unknown. Oh God, where do I begin? And how do I even step forward? And then all of a sudden, the great void comes rushing at you and swallows you whole. When in truth, you're never, ever actually beginning something brand new. Never, ever, ever. It isn't a thing. You're taking another step on the same journey forward. It just might look a little different than it did before, but you're bringing everything with you. You're bringing all of your experience with you. You're bringing all of your creativity with you. You're bringing all of your knowledge with you. You are never standing naked and alone in the woods. You are always surrounded by your past and your experiences and your insights and your wisdom and all the people who are coming along with you on those journeys. So that fear that we have, that blank page syndrome, that standing on the edge and taking a deep breath before the plunge um, is never actually as empty as we think it is. We always are bringing things along with us. It's just another step. So as we come towards the very end of this conversation, I want to say I'm really glad we had this one, guys. There were so many amazing insights during this talk today. 
And I love the idea of starting off with this confrontational question of what do we need to cut out? What do we need to stop doing? What do we need to get rid of? Because it really does kind of force us to take advantage of that negativity bias and use it in a positive way. But there are so many ways that we can take the advice that we've heard today and use it to benefit our lives, that it's endless. So I can't wait to write up the blog post for this one because I think it's gonna be really good. Um, super grateful to have everybody join us today. So grateful to have everybody be with us this week and for everybody who got to participate in the live yesterday. Um, if you have not seen that yet, it's still in the Facebook group. You can go back and watch that, some really great insights. I hope you will take some of this advice to heart Stop doing some of these unhelpful, hurtful things that don't serve you. Replace them with gratitude and with things that do serve you and move you forward. I'm beyond grateful that we get to be with you all on this journey, seeing you move forward and become the artist that you've wanted to be and open the businesses you've wanted to open and take the brave steps forward that you've wanted to take. The fact that we get to be a part of that is, um, is one of the biggest blessings i think that i'll have in my life so i hope you guys have an amazing weekend one and all and hopefully we will see everybody bright and early monday morning at 7 a.m here in the artist forge clubhouse where we always are and that we'll see in the facebook group as well remember we gave a challenge out to everybody to make a piece of art using your phone use the camera on your phone make some piece of art share it in the artist forge facebook group with the hashtag weekly challenge and they will go up for being discussed during one of the lives during the visual literacy section of one of the lives so that is the challenge for the next two weeks y'all so get your phones out start making some art let's see what we can come up with and uh let's go be artists together and we'll see everybody next week have a fantastic weekend make something amazing and we'll see you then Thanks again for listening to this live Clubhouse discussion moderated by all of us at The Artist Forge. We hope you found the information useful and that it helps you gain a little bit of insight as to how you work on your craft. For more episodes, please join us each weekday on Clubhouse or visit theartistforge.com. Now go make something incredible.